so glad to be home and to see all of you again after being uh, gone for a couple of weeks over in Europe and be with uh, some of our friends and family over there and to experience some of the things that we're going to be talking about today and tonight and uh, we're excited for this opportunity. I do want to say how much I appreciate this great church and uh, in particular brother and sister Richie and our ministry staff and all that they do. Amen. To make it possible for uh, myself, Sister Amy, and our family to be able to experience some incredible things. And without all of us working together, that would not be possible. And thankful for this church that allows us to travel and to do those things. And we're excited that we have the opportunity to share with you the Word of God this morning. Amen. We are happy for some events that you saw on the screens that are coming up. The camps, Brother uh, Tyler Ritchie, who preached a great message last Sunday on Pentecost Sunday, is going to be one of our speakers at camp this year. Amen. And uh, we're excited to report Brother uh, Blackman and Brother Jerry Scott have uh, told us this morning about what a great time they had in their prison ministry service in Orlando last night. Amen. We're over 60. We're in attendance. And we've got people scheduled to be baptized. Amen. God is at work. Amen. The good God. And so we're excited to be with you. As you know, I have um, thought about this day, and it uh, seems like a long time ago now, but just a few weeks ago when we were speaking on Friends Day, we talked about how the Lord had given us a thought for this morning, and uh, that uh, is what I want to share with you now. Of course, some of it has been crystallized over some of the experiences that we've had um, over the last few weeks, being in France and on the beaches of Normandy and walking Omaha Beach and studying all of that and what took place and I want to share with you some of those things um, as it relates to what I believe is the bigger picture and what I believe the Lord is wanting all of us to know to understand and to be a part of Hebrews eleven thirty two. I want to read a few verses in your hearing so I will try to read fast but I kept trying to find a way to condense and compress this but um I, this is the, the shortest jumping off spot that I can find. Hebrews eleven thirty two, And what shall I more say? For the time shall fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight, the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. 
Those two verses are very interesting. I want to explore it, but I want to conclude our text by reading the first two verses of Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, which we know to be a position of power and authority. I want to speak this morning on this subject, the company of heroes. The company of heroes. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Lord, we're thankful to be in your house. Thankful for your word. Thankful for this great company that you have given us to be a part of. I pray that you anoint hearts and minds to receive your word in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In his book D-Day, Stephen Ambrose, who also wrote another famous book about this same occasion called Band of Brothers, he describes in great detail the numerous scenes of the invasion that we know of as D-Day, the invasion of Normandy on June 6, 1944. Perhaps none were as costly as Company A of the 116th Division that landed in the first wave on Omaha Beach into a virtual killing field. They had hoped that the aerial bombardment and the naval long-range guns would blast the German strongholds prior to landing, but bad weather and bad intelligence had left the German strongholds virtually untouched. The topology of the beach made it no man's land, with high cliffs and long stretches of beach to cover and low tide and a crescent-shaped defense position. It would be a nightmare to try to take this beach. Rommel, who was one of the lead generals of the German forces, as well as Eisenhower, our allied commander, knew that it was a beach that had to be taken for the invasion to be successful. Both sides knew it. And both sides also knew that it would be easily defended and very difficult to penetrate. Many of the men were young with no combat experience, reserves that had been called up. Many of them were 20 years old or younger. They had heavy packs on their back. They had been in Higgins landing boats for four hours in high waves as they crossed the English Channel. Crafts were filling up with water. The winds had thrown them off target. Instead of all of these different divisions landing spread out throughout these beaches, instead they landed all bunched up together and made it even easier for the waiting Germans who could not believe their fortune as they sat there in their pillboxes and in those machine gun trenches and they looked at all of these bodies that were coming ashore. Easy pickings. Easy just waiting for the Germans to pick them off. And they waited and waited until they were all there on the beach. And then they opened up fire. Sergeant Lee Pollock's landing craft was about to be swamped as it approached the shore. Everyone was bailing with their helmets. We yelled to the crew to take us in. We'd rather fight than drown. As the ramp dropped on the front of the boat, we were hit with machine gun and rifle fire. I yelled to get ready to swim and fight. We were getting direct fire right into our craft. And my three squad leaders in front and others were hit. Some men climbed over the side. Two sailors got hit. I got off in water only ankle deep, tried to run, but the water was suddenly up to my hips. I crawled to hide behind steel beach obstacles. Bullets ricocheted off of it. Others hit more of my men. I got up to the beach to try to crawl behind that shingle, which was a small ridge there on the front part of the beach, and a few of my men joined me. 
I took a head count. There were only 11 of us left from the 30 that we had had in our landing craft just a few seconds ago. As the tide came in, we took turns running out to the water's edge trying to drag wounded men and trying to cover. And some of the wounded were hit again while they were on the beach. People were crowding up trying to take cover. More people were being hit by shell fire. Everyone was trying to help each other. Company A had hardly fired a weapon. It certainly had not killed any of the enemy. It had planned to be on the top of that bluff by 0730, but by 0730 its handful of survivors were just simply huddled up against the seawall, virtually without weapons. Company A had lost 96% of its effective strength. But its sacrifice had not been in vain. These men had brought in rifles, grenades, TNT charges, machine guns, mortars, mortar rounds, flamethrowers, rations, and other equipment that were now strung all over the beach. But it would make a life or death difference to the next wave that would hit because that infantry came in at a higher tide and they had to abandon all of their equipment. But when they landed on shore, they picked up all of that abandoned equipment and artillery from the first wave and they were able to fight their way to the seawall. Finally, they begin to penetrate. It wasn't just the Omaha Beach. That's where we took the most hits, but it was Utah Beach and Juneau Beach and Sword Beach and all up and down this Normandy coast. But finally, as full darkness came to Normandy on that, that is referred to as the longest day around 2200 or 10 p.m. All of the unloading at the beaches had ceased. At that point, nearly 175,000 American, Canadian, And British troops had entered Normandy, either by air or sea, or at a cost of some 4,900 casualties. Sergeant John Ellery, the 16th Regiment, the 1st Division of Omaha, recalled, The first night in France I spent in a ditch behind a hedgerow, thoroughly exhausted, but I felt elated. It had been the greatest experience of my life. What? How can this be the greatest experience of your life? He said, I was 10 feet tall. No matter what happened, I had made it off the beach and reached the high ground. I was king of the hill, at least in my own mind, and only for a moment. My contribution to the heroic tradition of the United States Army might have been the smallest achievement in the history of courage, he states. But at least for a time, I had walked in the company of very brave men i want to show you a quick video some individuals that fought that day a very unusual feeling it's a very unusual happening and it's a very unusual bonding we knew that we could depend on each other and so we were a a close-knit group just brave so brave is unbelievable and uh I don't know anybody that I admire more than, than uh, Bill Garnier and, and Joe Toy, and uh, they were very, very special. And just one part of the big war, that's all. One little part. And I'm proud to be a part of it. Sometimes it makes me cry. The real men, the real heroes, are the fellows that are still buried over there and those that come home to be buried. Seemed like you figured that you thought that you could do just about anything. And after the war was over and you came back out, well, you lost a lot of that. Or at least I did. I lost all that confidence. Well, you're hoping to stay alive, that's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Henry V, 
was talking to his men. He said, from this day to the ending of the world, we in it shall be remembered. We lucky few, we band of brothers. For he who today sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Do you remember the letter that Mike Ranney wrote me? You do. Do you remember how I ended it? I cherish the memories of a question my grandson asked me the other day when he said, Grandpa, were you a hero in the war? Grandpa said no. But I served in a company of heroes. I serve in the company of heroes. You may have never fought in a war. You may have never been in the trenches with gunfire over your head. But for every man and woman, boy and girl, that's attempting to serve God in this culture, you're at war. You're in a battle. But I have come today with good news. You are in the company of heroes. And I pray that one day they write on the epitaph of my tombstone. He served in the company of heroes. What you and I do on a daily basis as we attempt to serve God in this journey may seem so insignificant. But I want you to know that you are serving in the company of heroes. Men and women who have gone before us, who may not be alive, but yet their voice still cries out from this earth. Whatever is done for Christ is not done in vain. You, my friends, serve in the company of heroes. And so today... On this Memorial Day weekend, we honor all of our fallen brothers and sisters and their sacrifice so that we can be free. But the story does not end there. Not unlike the heroes of D-Day, the heroes of faith have also forged victory with their sacrifice. And the writer of Hebrews sets out to make this case in Hebrews chapter 11. He says, we know that Abel, though he is dead, did not die in vain. He gave witness of the necessity of an excellent sacrifice rather than a ritual. So the writer says he is dead, but the message is still speaking. These cloud of witnesses, heroes, did not live and die in vain. They are still speaking by their testimony from the grave. Enoch, we know, pleased God because he was translated. Noah believed, but it was based on a holy fear of God and became substantive by the building of an ark. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. The chapter is referred to as the hall of faith because of these witnesses. Then in verse 13 it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having 
seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. Ladies and gentlemen, this makes it clear that there was something that was incomplete about their journey. It was incomplete because in 2018, there are still men and women, boys and girls, that are attempting to make this same journey. And we serve in the company of heroes. I'm sure that these young men dying on D-Day may have had loved ones and family members that thought that their life having ended so early was incomplete. What could they have done if they could have just finished their life's journey? What could they have done if they had just been given more time on this earth? Many of us maybe didn't lose loved ones to war. Maybe we lost loved ones to cancer. Maybe we lost loved ones to drugs. Maybe we lost loved ones to car accidents. But there's not a single individual in this building that hasn't fought some kind of a war. I want you to know that their life was not in vain. And that life is honored every time you come to the house of God and you lift your hands and you say, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. You are honoring them with your life. You are honoring them with the praise that you give God. You are honoring them when you stand for righteousness. Verse 13 continues and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. They did not feel like they ever fit in. How many of these men that have come home, not just from World War II, but from Vietnam and Korea and Iraq and Afghanistan and special forces that we have in countries that you don't even know about and I don't even know about. And they come home and they try to adjust to civilian life and they just don't feel like they fit in. Strangers in their own countries. I've never fought in the military, but I have fought some spiritual battles. And I know what it feels like to feel like you're from another planet because you're trying to live for God as a teenager and it seems like you're the only one. But I've come today with a message for all of us. A message of good news. You're not the only one. You're in the company of heroes. I said you're not the only one. You're in the company of heroes. You are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. You are not by yourself. There is people that have lived before us. There are people that are standing beside us. And there are people yet to be born that you don't know. And we're all on the same team. And we're all a part of the same army. And we're all marching together. Great cloud of witnesses. I don't know the trauma of losing my brother in the trenches or on the beaches of a world war. But I have to tell you, you never get over that friend that you taught a Bible study to and he or she backslides. You never get over the pain of losing one of your young people in the youth group to drugs. All of these things can make you feel like a failure or make you feel like that you don't belong. But I've come to tell you that the story is not complete. It does not end there. Some of you even right now have children that are not serving God. I'm here to tell you the story is not over yet. We are in the company of heroes. We are in the company of heroes. The story has not ended. It is still a story. It's one that transcends this generation and the next generation. It transcends borders and countries and nationalities and socioeconomic levels. It is 
triumphant church. And I'm proud today to say that I am a part of that church. I'm part of that number and so are you. Oh, the enemy wants to try to isolate you and make you feel like you're all by yourself. That nobody else cares about living a righteous life. That everybody else has turned their back on God. But I'm here to tell you, we serve in the company of heroes. Men and women who have served God and given their life for this great cause. Hebrews 11 makes it clear that the victory in this fight is not mutually exclusive or confined to a solitary fight. Verse 39, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Their life journey did not complete the story. Verse 40 says, God having provided some better thing for us, us, you and me, that they, referring to the people that have been mentioned throughout Hebrews chapter 11, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. Oh, my friend, it's not just you and it's not just them. It's us. Their life was not complete because in 2018, God was still going to be reaching for some men and women to say, hey, there's a great company of witnesses. We are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. And their life, though it may have been snuffed out by time or disease or war, it is not over in that you and I are a part of this great adventure, this great journey called a life of faith. Not over. But we all need each other. We need them. And they need us. And I'm not a hero, and I'm sure you don't feel like a hero. But we're in the company of heroes. And together, we can complete the circle. We need each other. All of us. The guys on the beaches needed the paratroopers, and the paratroopers needed the pilots, and the pilots needed the boat captains, and boat captains needed the generals, and... 70 plus years later we need them and they need us this crowd they need us and we need them we need to remember them and that's what this weekend is all about it's not about barbecues it's about remembering the price that was paid it's not about having a day off of work it's about reflecting back and remembering the great price that was paid so that you and I would have the freedom. The freedom to come into this house of God and to lift our hands and our voices and to magnify God. We need to be remembered that every day there are policemen on the streets of Palm Bay and this city that are out there in the trenches so that you and I can live in a life of civility and peace and harmony. Every day there's a fight being made for our freedom. But beyond that, every day you and I are a part of praying men and women that will not give up on you that are going to stand for what it takes for us to have not just physical freedom but spiritual freedom as well oh you ought to clap your hands and thank God for the heroes that surround us I'm not Moses or Isaac or Abraham or Noah, but I need them and they need us. They need us to keep believing. 
Because one day, Matthew 8, 11 says, Many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. I got to read that verse again because I can't get away from it. Many. Everybody say many shall come from the east and the west they're going to come from all directions they're going to come from west they're going to be a part of the western hemisphere the eastern hemisphere they're going to come from all over they're going to come from cultures where other religions are more predominant but yet there was still some men and women it may have been huts in the south pacific it may have been in arab countries in the middle east it may have been in the far east where there's more attention given to the worship of buddha or hinduism but there's still men and women, boys and girls that you and I have never met but they are heroes of faith they get up every day and say bless the Lord oh my soul and one day we're all going to eat together one day we're all going to be together you and I and them and we're going to sit with Abraham Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven we serve in the company of heroes much as I love and honor the memory of these warriors and fighters for freedom today I have to tell you this and this is the crux of my message today I'm more honored to be counted in the number of those that have fought for my faith and your faith by their sacrifice and their witness you may think oh, I don't see where I can ever qualify to be one of these in this number I, I just don't see where I, I'm ever going to be one of these heroes of faith well let me tell you something if you'd read a little bit in Hebrews chapter 11 it'd blow your mind some of the names that are included there we understand Joseph and we understand Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and, and Abel. And we understand these great prophets. But what about Rahab the harlot? What about Samson who seemed to like to hang out with the harlots? I'm just going to get real. This is what the Bible is. The Bible is very clear. Barrett, what about these guys? These guys had all kinds of mistakes. They're a part of this hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Why are they all in there? Samson, Barrett, Gideon, David, Samuel. This is a list of people that made mistakes, but yet they're in the number. I'm so glad they are. Because that gives hope to you and me. That gives hope to you and me. We're not going to be measured by our mistakes. We're going to be measured by the fact that we got up again and we lived a fight another day. I got to get off this beach of temptation. I got to get off this place of feeling sorry for myself. I got to get to the mountain. I got to get up the cliff. Because there's a reward. There's a God reaching for us. I gotta hurry. When Elijah got to thinking he was the only one left serving God. Here's a great man of faith. 
But he started feeling sorry for himself after he had that great victory on Mount. When I called down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel and had this great victory and challenged the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the groves. And then after all that was done, Jezebel, the wicked queen, said, I'm going to take his life. He went and hid in the cave, started feeling sorry for himself. Lord said, What are you doing down here? He said, I'm the only one left. The enemy always wants to make you feel like you're by yourself. I'm the only one left that cares anything about you, God. You know, the Lord told him, I got 7,000. You don't think God's keeping track of every single person. He said, I've got 7,000 that don't know their right hand from their left. They were just young people, babies. He said, but they've not bowed the knee to Baal. Come on, Elijah. You got to get up out of this cave. You got to quit sucking your proverbial thumb and feeling sorry for yourself. You've had a great victory, and I know there's a battle that follows the victory. But I just want you to know something, Elijah. You're not by yourself. I want to tell some young people going to public school, you're not by yourself. I want to tell some man or woman that's trying to serve God in a wicked environment, you're not by yourself. This city, this county, this state is full of people that still have a heart for God. You may be one of a thousand. You may be a foot soldier. May not ever get all the headlines. Or you may have made multiple mistakes. Maybe you were Barack or Samson. Nobody ever thought you'd be in the number, but here you are. And one day, it will be said about you, you served in the company of heroes. Because we're nothing on our own. But if we can just stay in the church, we can stay a part of the greatest thing that's on this earth. Men and women that'll stand up for God regardless of the cost, regardless of the persecution. We're in the company of heroes. Shortly after the invasion of Normandy in 1944, in fact, maybe some 10 years after that invasion, this picture right here was taken that... Brother Tyler is going to put up on the screen. That handsome fellow there in the middle is my father. This is a church down in Miami, dedication. Some of those men on the front row, I know. Most of them have passed on to go with, be with the Lord. Brother Bill Cannell sits two seats over from my father. Brother Brimage, Brother Clyde Bailey's on his left. Archie Sherrill, that's Wayne Rooks on the far right-hand side that pastored for many years down in Miami. And while these men are great men, heroes of faith, there's somebody that's of interest to me that's on the second row. If you look on the second row and you go all the way to your left, there's a beautiful Italian lady sitting there. Very stylish. She's got a little corsage up there. This is the night that my mom and dad met. Thank you. I think my dad was home with Brother Cannell. They were all in Bible school. They were in the fourth year of Bible school in St. Paul, Minnesota. And my mother was there. She was just a young lady. 
She'd been raised in a strict Italian Catholic family from the Boston, Massachusetts area. She had a friend that told her about the Holy Ghost. She went out to California when she was about 18 years old, got filled with the Holy Ghost. And her father was a successful businessman. And he retired early and they would always come and spend the winters in Florida. And they would go to Miami. And so when she came with her family to Miami in that year, she decided to stay down in Miami. She met this lady that's sitting four rows back that's in the middle there, an older lady. That's her son sitting next to her on the left. That's Sister Geiger. Her husband had pastored this church and he had passed away. And the church had voted her in as pastor. So she was a widow lady. She needed a piano player. My mom played the piano. and So my mom moved in there and just stayed right there at the church, not knowing what her future held. But one thing is for sure, if you commit your life to God, God's going to give you a future. You remember that. You remember that. And my father was home from Bible school, and there were girls up there in Bible school, but there wasn't nobody quite like my mom. Because after church, they had a little fellowship meeting, and they uh, were serving some refreshments, and my dad went through the line, and my mom was there with piece of cake in her hand and those beautiful eyes she flashed him at my father she said would you like a piece of cake Boy, did he. (laughs) He went back to Bible school a different man. A man on a mission. I don't know all the people in that picture. I don't think my father and mother know all the people in that picture. A lot of them have gone on to be with the Lord. But I want to tell you something. All these years later, I'm happy to look back and say, I serve in the company of heroes. They had to fight a lot of battles back then that we don't even fight today. I remember growing up with my family in a little town of Port St. Joe where my father was trying to build a church and here he was from Florida, his father from Florida, and he's married to this Italian girl from the Northeast, and they got a daughter and a son, and he's on the radio, and he's preaching the message in a little town of 3,000 people up in the panhandle of Florida. He said, son, we're going to have a tent revival. Oh, I was so excited about that tent meant camping. I didn't know what all a tent revival was, but I remember as a boy going out there and putting up those little benches and having a tent revival there in Port St. Joe, Florida. But I also remember cars going by and throwing tomatoes at us because we were trying to have a street meeting and a tent revival in a little town that wasn't quite so sure about this Holy Ghost message that this young pastor was preaching. I'm talking about men and women that stood for God in the face of fire. I'm glad to tell you that we serve in the company of heroes. Every day I get to come to church to be 
with people like the Richies and the Scots and the Edwards and the Myers and the McClary's and the Segerleys and the Jenkins and the number and the names go on and on and on and on. I wouldn't want anything else. I tell you, I'm so thankful I get to serve in the company of heroes. One day we're all going to be in heaven. But right now, every day, we get to get up and come to the house of God and serve with our brothers and sisters. And because we are all linked by the love of God, you can stay standing. It is Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He endured the cross, the shame. Why? Because of the joy that was set before him. The joy that you could have freedom from sin. The joy that you and I, all of these years later, could come down to an altar. And take off the weight of sin and shame. Lift our hands toward heaven and feel the freedom of His Spirit rush over us and through us and in us. I close this morning with this story. I heard about a young man in SEAL Team 6 that was having trouble moving on because he'd lost a brother in battle. Felt like he should have died and not his brother in arms. His brother had just been filling in for him on a patrol. And if he was there, it would have been him, but instead his friend took his place and died that day. After the soldiers came home, he struggled. Finally, he went and told his friend's wife the story of what happened. He said, it should have been me and not him that he took the hit when that IED camouflaged in the trash on the side of the road exploded. And their vehicle caught fire. The driver tried to get everybody out, but there was this one man riding shotgun, riding in his place. Couldn't make it out. His skin charred with fire. And he went and told that that man's wife, should have been me, shouldn't have been your husband. He filled it for me on that day. Your husband substituted his life for me. And I can't get over it. Trying to adjust to civilian life. I'm trying to move on, but can't get rid of the images. This lady looked at this man, this warrior, said, wasn't you? It was my husband. You lived. And he would want you to be free to live your life with honor. So live. Honor my husband and your friend by living. Living a life free of guilt, shame, and pain. Living a life free from invisible presence. Honor my husband by living. Jesus substituted his life for you and me. And we honor him today by living. Living above sin. Living free from sin. 
getting up every day and saying, I've made mistakes. And I'm not going to live in the pain of the past. I'm not going to live with all the guilt. I'm going to honor that one that substituted his life for me. By lifting my hands toward heaven and saying, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I'm going to honor Him by living for Him. I'm going to honor Him by having hands and a heart and a mind that's free. The writer of Hebrews says, Because we have all of these witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us sometimes things are just weights not that you're in sin it's just that you're heavy laden but maybe somebody this morning find their way to an altar say I'm going to honor I'm going to honor him today who gave his life so that I would be free. I'm going to honor that great cloud of witnesses. I'm going to honor all of the heroes that I go to church with that have lived and died even before I lived. I'm going to honor them by laying aside every weight and every sin. We are in the company of heroes. And we don't have to be perfect. But we do have to turn our faith into action. And we got to move to a place that God desires that every one of us live. A place of freedom, a place of joy, a place of appreciation. No, my friend, you're not alone. You serve in the company of heroes. And you and I have a responsibility. We've got a responsibility that every day we will live a life that glorifies God. Pastor, I just don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get to that place. We'll tell you where it all starts. It all starts where you're gathering right now. At a place where you can offer up a sacrifice of praise. Where you can offer up a sacrifice of worship unto the Lord. And say, Lord, I thank you for every good gift that cometh down from the Father of lights. I wonder as a church, would you do that right now? All of you great men and women, heroes of faith. Those of you that stand every day in the trenches of war. Come on, you don't have to live your whole life with your head tucked. You can get up on the cliff today. You can get up on the mountain today. You're ten feet tall because you're a part of a church triumph.